0: The one who praise the darkness with a liberating light Praise the one who frees the prisoners turning blindness, blindness into sight Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue in the Gospel according to Luke with chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them now when the sun was setting all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them and demons also came out of many crying you are the son of god but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the christ and when it was day he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them but he said to them I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. One of the things you'll notice in this chapter is that you're going to see a lot of the miracles of Jesus, but also that involves interaction with the spiritual forces of evil as well. We see both the devil and his demons in this chapter. So as you are talking about this one as a family. There's a lot here in this this to look at. So let's start, and we'll just walk our way through it. As Jesus returns from his baptism in the Jordan, having the Spirit just had descended on him, he's led by the Spirit out into the wilderness for 40 days. Now remember, Jesus is coming to do what God's people failed to do. He's coming to be Israel for us. Israel failed to keep God's law. Jesus is going to keep God's law. We saw that with uh, chapter 3's proclamation, uh, God speaking at the baptism, this is my beloved son. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased because he's kept all the law. Now we see it here that Jesus is going to do what Israel failed. They had the 40 years in the wilderness. This 40 days in the wilderness for Jesus is a a foreshadowing is the wrong word. It's a fulfillment of that. They didn't do it. He does it perfectly. He's tempted by the devil just as they were. They were tempted and failed. He's tempted and succeeds in being faithful. The, the distinction here. He ate nothing in those 40 days. Now remember, food is a big problem for the Israelites in that course of the exodus from Egypt as they grumble several times about food and drink. Jesus doesn't here. He simply, drink isn't mentioned, but he simply does not eat. He fasts for 40 days. That's longer than the human body can go without food. So Jesus is supernaturally sustained by his heavenly father. And that's going to be the point, right? He's hungry at the end of it. The devil tests him. He tempts him. If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Ask your children, could he have done it? Could Jesus take a rock and make it into bread? The answer to that is yes, but he doesn't. Instead, he answers by citing Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Man shall not live by bread alone. He doesn't finish that, um, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, Yahweh. The devil tempts him again, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. I will give all of this to you, for it has been delivered to me. Stop and ask the kids, has it been delivered to Satan? The answer to that is a Yes. And who delivered it to Satan? The answer to that would be Adam and Eve. As they plunged the world into sin and darkness back in Genesis chapter 3 by rejecting the Lord. God entrusted his kingdom to them. They, by their sin, entrusted it to the devil. He is, therefore, the prince of this world. I give it to whom I will. If you then, notice the if questions from the devil. If you will worship me, all of this is yours. There is some truth in the lie. That's what makes the lie tempting, right? If, if it's just an outright lie, it's easy to pick it out. Um, but the truth here is, again, this has been given to him. He's been given authority by God, and he's been, you know, all this has been delivered to him. And in his own mind, yes, he does give it to whom he wills, right? If he wants to give certain people in this world more power, he does have the ability to do so. You know, demonic forces are real, sorcery black magic kind of stuff is real and the devil can lend such power to people but what isn't real is that he had had the authority to actually give this to god it all belongs to god anyway so jesus responds with deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 that you should only worship the lord it's also the first commandment right and he takes him to jerusalem to the top of the temple which is about 60 feet tall and he says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, notice what the devil does. Notice his te- how he builds on his temptation. He has seen Jesus respond twice. So now he well, he's seen Jesus respond twice using Scripture. That's a key, right? God Jesus resists temptation by using God's word. So the devil throws God's word into the temptation. He tries to use God's word against the faithful. The devil knows who God is. The devil knows God's word. He's not afraid to use it against us. So he cites for Jesus to hear, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Jesus answers, however, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, "You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. With that, all the temptations are done. The devil departs until an opportune time. Might refer to Gethsemane might refer to the cross, can't be for certain there, Um, he had ended every temptation. Verse 14, so Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit, so notice that the Trinity is still in play here, the Spirit is still working through Jesus in this world. Uh, He goes to Galilee, which is the area just west of the Sea of Galilee, if you look at a map of, of that region, And a report goes out about him to all the surrounding country. So people are hearing about Jesus. They're hearing about his miracles in all the land around Galilee. He teaches in their synagogues. That's going to be important. We're going to see it in the next verse as well. So let's just go to 16. He goes back to his hometown where he grew up in Nazareth. And he does his custom. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stands up to read. He goes to the synagogue because that's what the faithful does, right? Um, The Lord has given the Sabbath. He has instructed worship on the Sabbath. And so here he is doing what the Lord has called him to do. As again, he fulfills the law that we have failed to keep. If you've ever missed a Sunday here, Jesus is keeping it for you, right? God's word is there and he stands up to read it. That's part of the culture in that era of Jewish history that in the synagogue, basically, the men of the community would take turns reading some of God's scripture and then basically teaching on it, the rabbis would teach. And so Jesus is fulfilling that role. Here he's given the scroll of Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. He reads from those, and he's going to point out to the congregation gathered there that it's about him right? Verse 21, he began to say to them, so it's like a sermon, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus boldly in Nazareth, his hometown in the synagogue, proclaims himself to be the Christ, the one who has proclaimed liberty to the captives, who restores sight to the blind, who brings liberty to the oppressed, and proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. Bold words to attach himself to and at first they speak well of him they marvel at his words but they also can't get past the fact that this is joseph's son they know this kid who's now a grown man they've watched him grow up how can he be this one so jesus responds he quotes to them a a proverb of man right physician heal yourself so a wise statement of men that men would make. And he claims that they're going to want to see his miracles in order to believe. But he will not show them. Instead, he says that they will not accept him. And he gives two examples from Israel's history where instead of sending mercy to Israel, God sent mercy to foreigners. The widow of Zarephath and then the commander the, the commander. Uh, the syrian commander naaman that god chose them that god shared his grace and his favor with them instead of with israel at that time and so it is going to be with jesus that nazareth has rejected jesus but he's going to take that good news that he has come to bring and he's going to share it elsewhere he's going to give that salvation elsewhere to the gentiles all right so we see that here, um, they rise up against him, they're angered by this, they drive him out of town, they take him to the edge of a cliff, hoping to throw him down the cliff and let your children answer that, did they? Why did they fail? Why couldn't they throw Jesus off the cliff like they wanted to? Luke simply says, passing through their midst, he went away. I have an, an old friend who, who used to say, uh, maybe we should read that, ninja his way through the crowd. Um, Don't change God's word, but you get what he's saying, right? Um, Jesus is up against a cliff, surrounded by an angry mob who seeks to push him off the edge, and he just disappears. Or perhaps Red Sea, like, parts the crowd and just walks through. Why did they fail? Because it was not yet his time. To borrow one of his own statements that he gives to his mother when she asks him to do the miracle at Cana, It's not his time God's plan of salvation is playing out but it has not fulfilled it has not been fulfilled yet the Lord Jesus has more to do and that's going to be what we're going to see over the next many chapters as we study this book together so he goes to Capernaum which is a city on the north side of the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching the Sabbath again as we've seen already they're astonished at his teaching because his word possessed authority that's a hard phrase to unpack here. Um, I've heard it described as basically the the other rabbis, they're just reading stuff. Um, almost like if you had a teacher, so this is for older kids. If you had a teacher who only ever read you um, things out of a textbook, but didn't actually teach you directly. The words weren't theirs. I've heard it that way before. Maybe there's something to that. The other side of this though, would be what you see later in the paragraph. And that's that Jesus' words do stuff, right? When Jesus speaks, things happen. And we know this to be true of him. It goes all the way back to creation in Genesis 1. Let there be light, and there was light. This is good news for us because Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and they're forgiven. When Jesus says something, it happens. And so here we have it. Jesus casts the demon out, and it listens. It leaves. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing the authority that he can command even demons, and the demons have to obey him. And they don't know what to do with that. They're stupefied by it. So look at the the words of the demon that he interacts with in verse 34. Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even the demons know who he is. They know. They know why he's come. The Lord silences the demon. We're going to see him do that again before the text is out. So let's just keep moving. Um, News about him, reports about him go out to every place in the surrounding region. So all around Galilee and the lands around it, people are learning about what this Jesus man is doing. He leaves the synagogue. From there he goes to Simon's house. This is Simon Peter. We know from this text, as well as maybe two others, uh, it's at least one other, uh, that Simon is married. That he has a wife, and his mother-in-law, so his wife's mom, is sick, has a high fever, and they ask Jesus if he would heal the woman, and look at verse 39, he stands over her and rebukes the fever, and it left her. How incredible is that? I mean, we know in medicine and science today that from what we've been able to study of God's creation, we, we see how viruses work, we see how illness works. We don't understand them all, not even close, but we at least see how some of this stuff works. And so this woman's sick. And Jesus is able, again, to speak, and it happens. He rebukes the sickness, and it goes away. Just like he rebuked the demon, and it went away. Jesus' words have power and authority. That's what the people are noticing about him. And immediately, how does she respond? She serves him. She serves the disciples. Sun is setting all those who are sick, well, all those in the area who had sick people with them. Everybody's bringing the sick to Jesus, and he's healing them. He's casting out more demons. They're together crying out, you are the Son of God, but he won't let them speak. Why not? Because they knew he was the Christ. Great crowds would slow the ministry of Jesus. Great crowds perhaps might even try to prevent the cross like Peter did. You have the, the crowds that Jesus fed, right? The, the 4,000, I think it is, in John's gospel, that then follow him along and want to make him their bread king. And that's not why he's come. You have this crowd that doesn't want him to leave. It's not why he's come. They want to keep him for themselves. They can't. Peter drew his sword and cut off a man's ear, trying to prevent Jesus from dying on the cross. But it is why he came. And Jesus is going to share that in verse 43. He departs. He goes to a desolate place. The people, He's always trying to get away, and he never can. Well, i shouldn't say never he does get a little isolation on occasion like the garden of gethsemane but the people flock to him again they try to prevent him from leaving and verse 43 is key to that i must preach the good news to, of the kingdom of god to the other towns as well for i was sent for this purpose not just to share the good news with some but that all might hear the good news that they would repent as they would believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he goes, and he preaches in the various synagogues in Judea. Let us praise the Lord incarnate, Christ who suffered in our place. Jesus died and rose victorious, that we may know God by grace. Let us see